This is the podcast for March 25th, 2011. It's not safe for work. Recorded live from the Ann Coulter Radiation Wellness Day Spa, it's The Professional Left with Drift Glass and Blue Gal. Really? Ann Coulter? She, well, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm a little worried that the absurdity level of the entire right wing is getting to the point where you know, everyone's waiting for the sane one to emerge. Yes. And all it will take is, and I really hate to say this, but Christie or Jeb Bush yep. to come forward as the savior of the party. I shall And you. all this money flocks to them. Mm-hmm. And... You know, they're all of a sudden the – do I have to say Great White Hope? Do I have to say that? Really? <laughs> really? I think, I think that's implied. Yeah. It's also the subplot of Dune. Yeah. Everybody take a drink. <laughs> um, the, the the Baron Harkonnen, the evil Baron Harkonnen, uh, puts his psychotic nephew in charge of crushing the planet Dune and sucking all the spice, out, really oppressing the shit out of the people. Mm-hmm. The theory being that – once they have been thoroughly beaten down and oppressed and terrorized, they will welcome his other his other relative, uh-huh. who's relatively nice. By you know, by comparison, mm-hmm. he's not he's not all that crazy, and he'll teach people to be grateful for you know a little bit of oppression because the alternative is horrifying. Mm-hmm. Um, I, and I really wish the GOP were that well organized, but I just think that it, since it turned into a you know, the day that lying and being horribly, horribly fucking wrong about everything stopped mattering to the base. Well, and and being, you know, con- contradicting yourself within a 10-day uh, period, yeah, like well, Newt Gingrich a, did. Sometimes you know? within a 10-word period. Mm-hmm. Uh, and nobody cares. Once that stopped mattering, it turned into a freak show. Yeah. And it's been a freak – you know, under the, under the hood, it's been a freak show for decades. Yeah, until but- – until- until mm-hmm. it's proven to me otherwise, I will stick by my Haley Barber Donald Trump ticket. <laughs> For America. You tell yeah. me who's on top of that one. I don't know. I, 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 I don't know. Trump Barber 2012. No. In the dark. And everybody's dark. talked about it, but really, Lewis Black. Endorsing Trump was the best television of the week. Absolutely. Which I missed, of course. But well, you'll have to go online and watch it. It's. I will go. I will I'm go not going to tell you anything about it. You just have to go see it. It's so is good. It? Journalism has gone to hell in a handbasket. Yeah, it sure has. And we've got lots and lots of examples. Yeah. Yeah, but this week, i got to say, I noticed, and I'm sure it was there all the time, but like Dante noticed a bunch of Italians in hell. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, this week it, it sort of, Exceeded my allergy threshold. Yeah, it really when, exploded like a science fair volcano. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yes, it did. Add more vinegar. Yeah. Um, the thing that put it right over the top for me, and you, I can't. There's not really one thing, but this is the one I can just jump well, out. You at tell me, me yours, and I'll tell you mine. Okay. How about that? Uh, ooh, ooh, this is this is how it all got started, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> all right. <laughs> Just last after dark. Are, yeah. are we going to tell them our code word for yeah. no. name? Okay. No. <laughs> All right. But I will say that we we constantly joke offline about having a premium channel where we yes we do get, we get a little funky, get a little nasty, get a little get a little, get a little grown up, get a little get a little waka jawaka. Uh huh. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So in case that 
in case we really run run hard up against funds for Netroots, we'll and talk the- about that a little bit. <laughs> No, the the, uh, the one that just flipped me out was uh, – there's two of them actually that, that happened back-to-back. One was Libya, and Libya caused this. Libya um, dredged up some really old familiar faces. You know, <laughs> slouching towards Babylon to be born comes Paul Wolfowitz once again. Honestly. What the fuck? How big of an open, stinking moral sewer does a human being have to be to finally, finally get fucking banned from television? But no – there's Paul Wilfowitz being called upon by Christian Amanpour of all people. God damn it, <laughs> Christian, yeah. you you break my heart. Yeah. This this human douchebag who who is not only you know soaking with the blood of the people he got killed as an architect of the Iraq War, one of its predominant backers, cheerleaders, liars, one of the people who when the the Pentagon was still smoking was wandering around saying, how can we pin this on Iraq? You know, this guy should be in a fucking prison somewhere. Yep. But not only did he fuck up Iraq and take this country into the dark ages almost personally, you know, certainly one of five or six people who was the chief architect of this. But then he, he to, as punishment for his crime, George Bush gets him a job on the World Bank, yeah. which he loses because he ha- he decides to bend over backwards to get his girlfriend, what, Sunni yeah. spy girlfriend. Um, Extra dough on the side, mistress. Yeah, extra yeah, dough on yeah, the side, yeah. and this this guy is just a reeking example of everything that's wrong with conservatism in this country. Well, and I had to laugh when he came on the air, and Christian Amanpour called him an architect of the Iraq War, and yeah. he had to sit there. Well, he just shrugged, he just <laughs> yeah. shrugged it off, yeah. you know, because yeah. the, the the parts of the right that he still is respected in believe Iraq is a, huge was a great success. thing. Yeah, huge David success. David. Brooks still it says it was you know, noble cause, noble cause. Noble yeah. cause, poorly executed, but noble cause. Noble cause. And, and then today, just today on the radio, um, I heard, uh, and you can see this at, at my website um, or my, my, my blog, um, The uh, Tom Friedman had an article in the New York Times about, um, you know, about essentially holding forth on in great, in great ponderous tones about Everything there is to know about the Middle East, and here's the history of the uprisings, and here's my pet little theories about why people do what they do in the Middle East. Like Thomas fucking Friedman. Thomas fucking fucking Friedman. How does Tom Friedman still have a goddamn column in the New York Times? Mm-hmm. And if he's going to have a column in the New York Times, fine. He's a multi-billionaire. He makes the Schulzberg family very happy because he tells them what they want to hear, and he appeals to a certain group of very elite Upper West Side rich people who he tells fairy tales to about what the Middle East should be like if they had their way. What Thomas Friedman doesn't have, however, is any credibility whatsoever left when it comes to the Middle East. And this commentator said, the problem I have as a, as a scholar of the Middle East, someone who grew up in Iraq, is that Tom Friedman has been wrong about the Middle East for at least a decade now. And nobody, nobody, and this guy said this on the air on WBEC this morning, nobody in academia, in the media, in journalism, in, in scholarly research papers, anywhere calls him out on it. And I'm holding, I'm looking up over the years, and this is all due to Libya. Paul Wolfowitz gets dredged out of the, out of the sewer, and Tom Friedman is back propounding his brilliant theories about the Middle East. And I've stopped being outraged by the fact that these guys still have jobs, because that's just obviously a fact. Well, and you told me that Mm -hmm. he was called out. 
Oh, Tom Friedman was called Tom out. Tom Friedman was called out. Called out by this by this scholar on a local NPR station. Bless his heart. Um, but you know, Tom Friedman will never notice that. It'll, he'll never hear about it. Mm-hmm. It was on public radio. It was NPR. And by the way, one of the most interesting things part between the time I heard this thing live on the air mm-hmm. and replayed it in its podcast form, so I can transcribe what the guy actually said. WBEZ, the local NPR station, had cut parts out of it. Mm. Had snipped some of his more lacerating comments out. Had snipped some of his more generalized indictments of the punditocracy out, um, which just made me smile in a sad yeah. kind of way. Yeah. And and but the examples being, I don't really care anymore that Paul Wolfowitz still gets to go on TV mm-hmm. for reasons that pass it along. I want to know the name of the person, and I'm serious about this. I want to know the name of the fucking asshole. Who picks up the, the phone and says, get me Paul Wolfowitz so exactly. he can come on the air. Who fucking authorizes it? Well, I don't want to go after them in their personal no, life. No, no. But someone at the network says, to... get me Paul Wolfowitz. Right. And and, and there needs to, to be a firestorm of opinion right. aimed at that person is what that you're person saying. That yeah. person who you never – and that's, that's what you – know, I noticed the outrage popping up in all kinds of strange places. You know, the, the Bill Crystal is suddenly – Back in the news, and you know, I know who his boss is. It's Rupert Murdoch. Yeah, so and Rupert Murdoch is a fascist. So, and no, he's, he's immune to controversy. Yeah, yeah. But at the networks, some fucker in the in the in the in the high executive country at ABC, he's NBC, CBS, that. Yeah. is approving this bullshit. Yeah. Who is that person? Yeah. Give me their name. Let me talk to them. Let me interview them. Let me find out. Why do you think it's a good idea to put Paul Wolfowitz on the fucking television again? Given well, because his he's good for sound bites, and and that's that's it. That's the purpose mm-hmm. of the Sunday shows. Mm-hmm. And there it's, is no reason on God's green earth mm-hmm. for Meet the Gregory to be on the no, air anymore. No, it's a so waste. It's of, a waste of time. Period. Mm-hmm. But the reason we cover it, and I, I want to hear your your example. My two, because you you gave two. I'm going to give two. <laughs> Um, the reason that Meet the Gregory is still on the air is is to let the pe- the paid hirelings of the power structures mm-hmm. in this country have a place to launch their trial balloons mm-hmm. and get their sound bites and set the debate for the week. Yeah, because Meet the Gregory and the rest of that swill that goes on on Sunday morning is where uninformed but genial Americans go to get the illusion that they're politically informed, mm-hmm. and that's why it, I cover it every week because. This is – I'm looking directly at the place where millions and millions of people who are otherwise completely oblivious to what's going on are handed or vouchsafe their opinions from people that they trust and they shouldn't. Mm-hmm. Anyway, that's why I cover it. Your two examples. Okay, hey, my two examples. Example number one is guess who Tucker Carlson has hired as a journalistic correspondent? <laughs> yes. He's hired – Ginny Thomas. (laughs) Ginny Thomas. Clarence Thomas's the Statue of Liberty foam headgear wearing wife. Drunk dialer. Drunk dialer of (laughs) the porn collecting chief justice of the Supreme Court. Who holds the long holds the record by far, by by a factor of five of not having said a single fucking word on the Supreme Court. For five years. Well, and it turns out, I mean, I've talked to other attorneys about that, that that is a stylistic way of being on a court, and there are people yeah. that do that. But, yeah, uh, yeah. this is... Well, this, uh, but not on the Supreme Court. But I'm now Ginny Thomas, you know, she's got her first journalism job, yeah, and it was nice. given to her by Tucker Carlson. 
That's and it's not journalism. First, I mean, I can actually just completely easily dismiss this because I have more journalism cred and experience mm-hmm. than Tucker Carlson has, <laughs> let alone Jenny Thomas. You know, uh-huh. Tucker Carlson, and I, I'm not somebody who waves my degrees in people's faces and, you know, gets bent out of shape about it. But Tucker Carlson went to boarding school and then he went to Trinity College in Hartford. Connecticut. And then he landed a job at Policy Review at the Heritage Foundation and and he was launched. You know, that's it. And why did that happen? Because Tucker Carlson is the son of Richard Carlson, who was president of the Corporation for Public Broadcasting and director of the Voice of America and U.S. ambassador to the Seychelles. So, you know, he was a big donor somewhere. And his mom was heiress to the Swanson family. That's right. That's right. You know, so it's about going to boarding school in Newport, Rhode Island, and then going to college and majoring in history, and then spending the rest of your youth in a bow tie talking like you've got a mouthful of marbles, because you were raised that way. Don't you know? Don't you know? Mm -hmm. And from there, he landed right in to a job at the Heritage Foundation. So that's not journalism, as far as I'm concerned. And now he's got enough money from mom or from from his connections or whatever to start Daily Caller Mm -hmm. and get all of his conservative and and useless blog fluffers. You know, out there to go, oh, Daily Caller. His wastrel conservative friends? Well, not only wastrel conservative friends, but there are people in the blogosphere that are nothing but fluffers for other websites. And, you know, can't stop flapping their hands with excitement and glee over every new thing that comes down the pike. Yeah. And oh, here comes Daily Caller and Tucker Carlson and the and the launch party and their 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 purpose is to cover launch parties for everything in Georgetown. You know. Excuse me. I feel a sneeze coming on. Catherine Jean Lopez. Sorry. That's okay. Uh, that was a little allergy. I don't know where I picked that up from. She, <laughs> you know that she had an article about how kind of interesting it was. The former defense secretary, Don Rumsfeld, is a sex symbol these days. Yeah. Katie Jean. Has she? You know, Katie, have you ever seen a penis? Yeah, I don't, uh, I don't so, want to go there. Poor, we, poor Katie Jean. If she were just a harmless roadside attraction. Right. Well, and. <laughs> you pulled into a small well, town. Don't be mean. I, I look at her and I think there before the grace of God go I. So I, yeah. real, I really do. I just. Well, again, better uh. person than I am. <laughs> much, much better person. I'm marrying way above my station. When it comes to- Here's the point. No one is ever going to quote unquote call Tucker Carlson and. Ginny Thomas out for anything they do because they're already in the in the circles in the reality based community they're already a joke and in the non reality based community nothing they do will ever be questioned so it's settled that's, that that's where I, I can you know, I, the last person who called Tucker Carlson out was you you probably remember yeah, was John, John Stewart. Stewart yeah and boom his, his they canceled his show yeah and. You know that would have been a, again. I look at I look at the things that that Newt Gingrich does and that Tucker Carlson does and that Paul Wolfowitz does and 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 transpose just the 
the theoretical abstraction of the action. You get you get caught lying for the umpteenth time. You get caught fucking up. You don't know how to do your job. You've everything you've ever said is wrong. I transpose that into, into the actual real world where laboring people, working people, working class people live and work. Mm-hmm. And any one of those would end their career. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, Even, and let me let me before before we go on to that because that's a whole mm-hmm. topic unto itself. Yeah. Steve Forbes in the Wall Street Journal. Yeah. Wrote an article, and by the way, he is you know he's Steve Forbes first of all, yeah. and uh, he's on on the board as a trustee of the Ronald Reagan Presidential Foundation. So he knows what he's talking about when he writes an entire op-ed piece on Reagan's legacy and the current malaise. Mm-hmm. Today, the Ronald Reagan Presidential Foundation, the Manhattan Institute, and the Wall Street Journal will host a morning seminar concerning the economic legacy of Ronald Reagan. The get-together couldn't be timelier. Yeah, in an ironic, bizarro, alternate, no, inverse universe kind of way, yeah. Are you sitting on something that you won't fall off of, Drift Glass? I'm sitting on the earth, Blue Gal. Okay, are you ready? I'm ready. Hit me. You could make the case that Reagan's economic miracle had its origins at a Washington, D.C. restaurant in 1974. That December night, 34-year-old University of Chicago professor Art Laffer scribbled a single and now legendary curve on a cocktail napkin to illustrate it to a group of President Ford's advisors why a proposed plan to raise taxes would not increase government revenues. Mr. Laffer posited that deep cuts in existing tax rates would stimulate the economy and ultimately lead to far higher government revenues. Mm -hmm. Mr. Laffer's curve headed off the tax boost, but the Ford people did not accept the conclusion that big reductions in tax rates were just what the anemic U.S. economy needed. However, when Reagan met with Mr. Laffer and other like-minded thinkers several years later, he quickly grasped the Laffer curve's fundamental message. Mm-hmm. And he goes on in this op-ed. Now, this is this is written from an alternate universe, right? Uh, where where the last forty years never happened, and Reagan's program was a resounding success. Its centerpiece was the Economic Recovery Tax Act of nineteen eighty one. Critics howled that Reagan was being financially irresponsible, but the president pressed on. At the same time, President Reagan's British counterpart. Prime Minister Margaret Thatcher was accomplishing similar feats by taking it. (laughs) (laughs) Tell me more. Tell me more of the story, Blue Gal. How does it end? How does it end? Well, it doesn't end with Reagan increasing taxes each of the subsequent years that he was president. On the middle. That is that is not mentioned. Did, didn't mention that? Didn't anywhere mention, in this that is not mentioned anywhere in this op-ed piece. Well, he probably had a word count. He probably couldn't include all of the well, history of Reagan, all the inconvenience. His, his explanation is, unfortunately, Reagan was unable to permanently rein in domestic spending and many of his reforms were undone by his successors. Yeah. Yeah, he was betrayed. And that, what about what about military spending under Reagan? That's not mentioned either. No. Any Iran-Contra? Nope. No, Iran-Contra is not mentioned. Selling weapons to terrorists, getting 240 Marines killed in Lebanon, anything about that? No. It's and, a, and his conclusion is that time... a shuttle into space, killing a few uh, American no, astronauts? No, none of that's... No, sorry. No, no. no and, no. you know, so Steve Largest Forbes, deficit in history, leaving the largest deficit no, in history behind in his way. Anything about no, that? No, no. Radical deregulation, uh, savings and loan debacle, no. junk bonds, anything like that? Mm-hmm. Anything mentioned? No. Not mentioned. Weird how, weird how a, a guy as smart as Steve Forbes, 
um, who understands the, the, all the nuances of a flat tax. Right. Um, could possibly have missed, you know, the overwhelming legacy of Reagan's well, um, presidency. Except we, you know, did they mention the Southern strategy, the racism, the no, appealing to no. Southern whites? Mr. The, the conclusion is Mr. Obama still has time to learn the real lessons of Reagan's success. Yeah. And and but what to me is hopeful and fascinating about this, there is a post at Crooks and Liars this afternoon. Economist David Gilmore destroyed Steve Forbes on Kudlow on CNBC. <laughs> really? Okay. And called him out because he did this thing. He did this article on uh, his his next, his subsequent um, Wall Street Journal article was on the power of a strong dollar and saving King Dollar. And David Gilmore comes on. Forbes starts talking about this for about a minute and 30 seconds. This isn't the David Gilmore from Pink Floyd, right? No. Okay. Right. <laughs> Would that it were. Yeah. And he says... Because um, I know the lyric, you fucked up old hag. Ha ha, charade you are. Anyway. To assert that all of this is due to a weak dollar is preposterous. It's absolutely preposterous. The dollar goes up and down, and that's the world too. That's the world of floating exchanges. Because this was the whole Forbes whole thing was, you know, naming one policy that's trashing the dollar, the Federal Reserve. We've got to stop it. Must yes, must stop Federal Reserve. And, and he's and so Gilmore says, look, if you live in the land of the lazy, and you want to make assertions, then you're appealing only to that crowd. I don't know what that basis is. If it's politics, if it's an ideology. There is not an economy on this planet that ties its economy to gold. Not one. You haven't been able to turn a note into gold in decades. It's a medieval view of the modern world. Steve, do you use a calculator or an abacus? And this is on, you know, and... and <laughs> he uses accountants. <laughs> and i got to tell you that in this video... Cudlow is sorting papers on his desk. <laughs> what do I do now? Because he's between, you know, the people that watch Cudlow are investors. Uh-huh. They need to know the shit. You know, it's like when Palin went to South Korea. Yeah. And people yeah. walked out on her. Yeah. Because she wanted to talk about how great America is and Alaska's the land of independent thinking and independent working and you know nothing about how dependent Alaska is on federal funds to do anything. No. You know, just this it's a welfare big, basket case. Yeah. yeah, and it's this big, you know, just trowel of horse manure that yeah. she was spreading. People walked out on her. Well, that, there's and there's you know this is the, the and that's phenomenon. where this is when we get into people's reality. And this is the other this is theme two of our podcast. Yeah, people's reality not. You know, at their kitchen table, trying to renew their food stamps, out of work for 12 months, being a 99er, mm-hmm. coming up against Steve Forbes and the Tea Party, and the you know saying, "Oh, it's the Federal Reserve, and we're not on the gold standard anymore." Well, and, that's that's <laughs> and Reagan that's saved everything. And that's that's one of the things that that um, Mr. Walcott, James Walcott, mm-hmm. who I always shout out to, he linked me a couple of times last week, and that was really sweet of him. Um, and, uh, uh, what once upon a time I, I called the, the, the tribe of the people who rub shit in their hair. Yeah. 
you know this this it's become such an inbred cult mm-hmm. and 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 their concerns are so have become so um I, I have to tell you that Tucker Carlson's hair shit smells better than anybody else's it does oh it's and like, it makes it's his like hair a, so shiny it's a, it's a poo pomade <laughs> is what it is it's beautiful but you know the theory being that if you have a clubhouse and everybody in the club starts rubbing shit in their hair Mm-hmm. And complimenting each other on how the, how lovely their shit hair looks, and how spiky it looks, and how mm-hmm. glossy it looks, and how shiny it looks, they they forget at some point that their hair is full of shit. Yeah, yeah. And then they go out walking in public and expecting people to compliment them on on their on their awesome you know shittiness of their hair. Yep. And people look at them in horror, like what the fuck is your problem? Mm-hmm. And they re- they have lost the capacity, the, the olfactory capacity, yep. the sartorial capacity yep. to recognize that what they're doing is absurd and re- and insane. Yep. And so the, the 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 concerns of this group, you know, whether it's a flat tax or Federal Reserve paranoia or gold standard or Acorn, mm-hmm. have become so completely divorced from a reality. You know, Acorn is still a powerful, dark communist yeah. force on the right. Acorn has has been trans and, and you, so they they have gotten so deep into this cave they've gotten so far up Glenn Beck's ass mm-hmm. that their their vocabulary is no longer recognizably human they don't speak in a language that anybody but their fellow cult members understands yep. and so when they brush up against people with actual concerns like how do i meet my mortgage how do i get my you know right. my, the government's going to cut off my uh, my i can't take pills from thanksgiving to christmas cuz i'm in the donut hole yeah. And I have to choose between eating and medication. And, you know, and when they, that's they, your they're reality, given, they're given a tract on you know on on uh, Acorn and Shirley Sherrod, right? And, right. And, the, and the dark conspiracy and George Soros. You know what the hell are you talking about? Yep. And you know, and this is, and you can see this matter. Or you talk more also. specifically about we have to turn back Obamacare no matter what. It's like, right. look, my there was an email from someone on uh, I think. Women's right or oh gosh I can't remember now. She writes. Excuse me. There was an email from a member of uh, the w- website. She writes today, talking about the anniversary of the health care bill, and mm-hmm. saying that her daughter, it was discovered this past year, needs a pacemaker. Her daughter is 24 years old, and thank God she still has her job and her insurance, and was able to keep her daughter. Mm-hmm. On her insurance, so her daughter could get a pacemaker and continue to live, mm-hmm. you know. And there isn't a pre-existing condition situation because of the health care bill, you know, where where the insurance company can go back and well, you know, you didn't let us know about that heart murmur at birth, so you're out of here, <laughs> you know. Uh-huh. I mean, which has happened to people. Oh yeah. Oh, absolutely has. Yes. And uh, you know, it just. <clears throat> It's not going to jibe with people's reality. It's a shame and a tragedy that, you know, due to budgetary concerns and other kind of concerns, a lot of this bill couldn't be implemented immediately. And I've, political concerns. Let's and be, political let's concerns. Clear. Well, and Obama should have just signed an executive order reducing the Medicaid, Medicare age to 55 and just mm-hmm. and dared the Republicans to turn it back. I, I, I reality. Go ahead. I, this is this is a bit off topic, and, and let's isolate this point for discussion. Mm-hmm. What do you think of the bold theory that I'm making up right now that the reason Obama went into Libya the way he did without consulting Congress is because he's had it with Congress? Yeah, I thought that too. 
Is, I is thought, he just no, I thought fucking, that exact you know, same thing. I have, I have, you know, I, I don't want to, there to be a debate on whether I'm too pro Arab. Right. Period. And I, and I don't want to go there, and I'm just the not. The clock is ticking, right. and and we all saw, you know, unemployment benefits and medical yep. care for. And I was going to, I'm going to be held responders. hostage to do anything until there's another tax cut. Or mm-hmm. yeah, I thought that too. I well, two things. One, I, I thought, I thought that. But also, you know, the video I made for the YouTube debate back in 2007, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know if you remember that, where I asked the question of which one of you is going to turn back presidential power from mm-hmm. the grab that George mm-hmm. W. Bush did. <laughs> yeah. You know, and the fact is that every president works to solidify executive power further, you know, and and that's just the way it's. Well, there's nothing that Barack Obama is doing in Libya in terms of war powers action that that lots of other presidents haven't done Mm -hmm. since since the 40s. Mm-hmm. And for right or wrong, whether it's extra constitutional, you know, I, I know that uh, the Dennis Kucinich slung the word impeachment around so he could get on television. And yeah. God knows I love Dennis Kucinich. But what he then said once he got on camera was he just was trying to start a discussion. Mm-hmm. He just wanted to start a discussion about constitutionality. Well, that's great. Let's do that. But you shot up the big red flare, not because it's any more or less impeachable than anything else. Half a dozen presidents have already done when it comes to war. You did it to get on camera and you mm-hmm. succeeded. So good for you. But I really thought, you know, if I'm Obama and I can't put myself in his his place and I don't know that I particularly agree or disagree with what's going on in Libya, but I'm, I'm sitting going, you know what, fuck if I'm going to let this go into John Boehner's fucking Congress for debate. Yeah. Because there's nothing that's beneath the – I finally learned that there's nothing beneath yeah. the Republican Party. Well, and, and Virginia Fox is going to stand up and give us her – you know, weighted opinion. <laughs> really? Well, That's gonna. You know, we're gonna hold this hostage for mm-hmm. another tax cut. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, yeah. I mean, who in advance of the 2010 election, who yeah. would have thought that the Republican Party would hold up medical care for 9/11 first responders for fucking tax cuts right. for billionaires? Who, who thought they were that fucking scummy? But they are. Yeah. So and, uh, screw it. I'll, yep. I, I have this this special war powers out. I'm taking it. Yep. Anyway, that's the end of that. Your president. Yeah. Who who waved this around in the sun, you know, so fuck you. Anything you say can be used against you. We have a memory, well, you know, but so. then, well, we do. They don't. That's the problem. Well, it is. Well, and, and we've said earlier in the podcast, you know, Gingrich changing his mind <laughs> 10 days later, you know, oh, no, yeah. we should never know fly zone. This is terrible. Really? You 10 days mm-hmm. ago, you said we should. Well, the Pope said it was OK. Well, honestly, yeah, the, the Pope has annulled my previous comments. So it's like, <laughs> fuck you, and fuck you, dumbasses who were dumb enough to think of him as the intellectual in your party. Oh, You're that stupid. You're listening to the Professional Left podcast, professionalleft.blogspot.com. That's what's happening to our political system. Exactly, is and, we're and deciding I, as, as, that Donald Trump and Sarah Palin and Newt Gingrich are qualified, and the media doesn't question that no. these clowns are qualified to run for president. Nobody stands up and says the emperor has no clothes. Well, because the minute you do, somebody will point out to you know meet the Gregory, but you're naked too. Yeah. Yeah, and then the whole thing falls apart. Right. So we, all of the the Confederacy it's, of Dunces has to stick together. Yeah, yeah, and protect each other's back. I cited a, on a couple of podcasts the uh, Sword of Constantine and the history of the Catholic Church, and 
the way medieval knights behave and the way that Christianity is a supersessionist religion and the psychotic ravings of the country priest yeah, right, um, right. become the orthodoxy in the next generation. The next generation, right. Because you have to keep upping the ante. You have to right. keep, you know, especially when it's anti-Semitism, you have to keep upping the stakes. You have to keep upping what your invisible internal enemies are guilty mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. to cover up the fact that your institution is corrupt and to keep the masses happy. Mm-hmm. This is exactly what is happening. Happening with Acorn. Yep, yep. And, Acorn and that exact- doesn't exist anymore is now right. free to be everyone's fant- masturbatory fantasy about the the group that is destroying our freedom. And, and there's a group of people, there's a group of Martin Luthers, if you will, yeah. who have been pounding on the fucking door of the cathedral for 30 years. Mm-hmm. And they're called liberals. liberals. <laughs> and that's what's so maddening about this. Yeah. It's, it's heartening in a certain sense, but it's maddening to hear one after another conservatives dropping off, you know, flying off the centrifuge because it's spinning too fast for mm-hmm. them to hang on. Mm-hmm. And, and the first thing they do when they hit the ground is start sounding like a liberal from 1982. Yeah. Can you believe what these people, blah, blah, blah. And can you mm-hmm. believe the way the radio and the media, oh, my God, how can they let these people get away with? Like, remember when we were saying that five years ago and you were calling us fucking traitors? Yeah. You know, and I don't have a problem with converts. I really don't. But no. you got to step to the back of the line, my friend. Well, and, you and go to the, the back the, of the room. Just going back briefly to the 95 theses and the nailing on the wall. And a lot of people have nailed th- different things to the wall about the conservative movement. But yesterday, Robert Reich published The Republicans Big Lies About Jobs. Mm-hmm. And he he's calling them lies. Finally, uh, someone's willing to say they are lying. Mm-hmm. So there are four big lies that the Republicans Repeat over and over and over again so that they will gain credibility. And if you keep saying them often enough, they become gospel. And Robert Reich is calling them lies, the big lies of the Republican Party about jobs. Mm-hmm. And here are the four lies. The L word has become sort of a new – it's the new fuck. Yeah. It's the one because thing you're not allowed to say on television. It's it's not a truth. It's an, it's an untruth. It's it's, it's mistaken. Mis- yeah. he, was, he's the, he was the misrepresenter in chief. Yeah. 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 Jesus, John Kerry, try to sound more like a pussy. You know? Yeah, right. No, he's right. a liar. He lied. Why don't you just say the L words? He lies. He, he trips off the four letters. Comes right off the tongue. Because but then people you are, get the, the narcissism. Lawsuits. Well, and you get no. I, I think it's like dealing with a narcissistic, abusive spouse who mm-hmm. will turn everything that you say into, you know, if 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 someone abuses you and you call them a fucker and you call them out on it, and all of a sudden you swore I'm a victim and you're saying mean things to me. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, that's flipped. been true forever. Yeah, and it just. Yeah. Every, you know, I'm not going to listen. If you if you raise your voice, I'm not going to listen to right. you. If you use a naughty word, I'm not going to listen right, to you. If right. you. And if you criticize me in any way, yeah, I'm going to take it as an attack, and I'm not going to listen. I'm going to be very hurt. I'm going to be very yes. hurt by you. These are all things that the right has been taught how to shut off yes. listening to the left. And yep. the L word is the, is, the, is the one almost sacred term that yep. people still use um, all together too infrequently, but it's a special word. It's definitely a special word. So when Bob Reich uses it, yeah. you know, uh, in this headline, it is nailing it to the door. It really it is. Really is. And the four lies are: number one, cutting taxes on the rich creates jobs. <laughs> That's exactly <laughs> what Steve Forbes was arguing. 
Number two, cutting corporate income taxes creates jobs. No matter you know, no matter how much cash they're sitting on. That was the Reich's point is holy crap. he says baloney, but he doesn't mean baloney. No, he doesn't. <laughs> I always tell my children that BS stands for bologna sandwich. <laughs> yeah. Come on, Bob. Come on, Free Bob. yourself up, man. <laughs> run a little wild. Take your shoes off. Run wild. Yeah. In dictionary, my friend. Yep. Also, yeah. number three, cuts in wages and benefits creates jobs. Oh, that's nice to know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Let's that's lower true. that minimum wage <laughs> and create more jobs that pay yeah. a very low wage. That's going to be good for the economy. We can all have a job that pays $2 an hour. <laughs> Next stop, wage slavery. Oh, man. But everybody will work. It'll be 100%. Oh, yeah. uh, and then number four, regulations kill jobs. You know, yes. so let's defund these regulatory agencies that are stopping f- the freedom of the marketplace to create more jobs. That goes back to Alan Greenspan, 1963. Yeah. He was saying that... Um, because they're based on fear and force, regulations interferes with the essential ability of, of, of the moral component of business. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, therefore, regulation is wrong because it's based on government fear, government force, and it, it bastardizes the inherently sort of moral transaction that, that business truly is. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, wow, that was 50 years ago. Mm-hmm. They've been selling this lie for, for at least since the 20s. And, if, you know, of course you sell. If your job is to sell paint thinner – as baby formula, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. surprise paint thinner. You're gonna have a whole whole pamphlet on how good paint thinner is for you, and how nutritious it is for you, and how the kids will love it, and how anybody who says the paint thinner is bad for your kids is a dirty, filthy, mommy bastard. And at some point, it falls to the person who's willingly follow, falling for that lie for the twentieth time mm-hmm, mm-hmm. to be smacked upside the head by somebody. Yeah, you know, yeah. at some point, you really do become too stupid to be. Taken seriously in the political in the political universe, and you have to say that. Yeah, you can't keep saying you can't. We can't keep euphemizing. I don't do it, but not euthanizing, euphemizing, making euphemisms about the GOP base, the average Americans, our our friends on the right, you know, our, our colleagues on the right, the the people in Congress, the, my dear friend John Boehner, my good colleague John McCain. At some point, you have to do the hard thing, which is what Robert Reich is doing, saying, "No, they're liars." Yeah, yeah. And everyone knows they're liars. And that's what, that's, so this sort of loops back to what I want to hear from somebody. Somebody is putting liars like Paul Wolfowitz and liars like Tucker Carlson and liars like Tom Friedman on the pages of America's newspapers of record on television. Yeah. What are the names of the people who are making those decisions? Yep. Who is authorizing that to happen? Because until I hear, because, you know, Paul Wolfowitz is just a, fucking bastard he's just a lying damned soul who will burn in hell forever but everybody knows that yeah and and why do we need his opinion about anything 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 anything. yeah and yet he finds himself in front of television cameras more than you and i will ever do in our lifetime and 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 just to to sum up i i just want to go back to the fact that we're all luther now (laughs) (laughs) Yes, we are. It's all our job now to hammer this home. Except Luther was a raging anti-Semite. Oh, yeah. And I mean, I mean that just in terms of the moment at which he, you know, the legend, his his legend of nailing to the door Mm -hmm. his objections, being right there at the gate of power, telling the truth as he Mm -hmm. saw it. And I'm grateful 
it goes back to something I said about Obama uh, a few podcasts ago and whether people's reality, as I said earlier today, people's reality in terms of their own economic experience and their own experience with the health care bill and their own experience with their tax refund and so forth and the perceptions that are being handed to them by conservatives and the media, mm-hmm. whether those match up and if Americans recognize that what they're being told doesn't match up with their underwater mortgage mm-hmm. and their food stamp renewal and their new health care benefits. If they recognize that the, what they're being told doesn't match up with those things, those who are lying to them hopefully are sunk. And making sure they recognize it, that's our job. Mm-hmm. I think well, uh, I think Wisconsin has changed a lot of things, and that all of a sudden people are listening. You know, did you know that the Montana public workers joined the AFL-CIO this week? <laughs> no, I didn't. Yeah. that's great. That's yeah. fantastic. So big, they, they realize that being in a bigger organization is a good idea, mm-hmm. and there's power in a union. Yeah. And people are listening to the AFL-CIO narrative just in time for the anniversary of the Triangle Shirtwaist Fire, mm-hmm. where mm-hmm. we can see the extremity mm-hmm. that millionaires and corporations go to. And and I like the way Rachel Maddow framed it back when she was talking about Zoog. Do you remember that? Mm-hmm. She was talking about an, a corporation that has most of its employees in Texas, but moved their corporate headquarters to Zoog, Switzerland where they have four employees, as a tax haven, you know, just to mm-hmm. escape sure. having to having to contribute to America. To this, to this society, that's right. And, and her point was so balanced in that she said, look, corporations are not people. Right. Corporations they're aren't machi- moral agencies. They're, they're, they're machines. They're machines that are designed to make profits for shareholders. That's what they are. At any cost. At any cost. Mm-hmm. The only way to make that machine not hurt society but help society is to make them do it. Right. To force them to do it. Force them to do it by law. It's called, and it's a, it's it's a, called regulations and laws. Regulations yeah. and laws, that, and that is a balance. There's a balance between... You know, telling them that they have to pay every single employee $300,000 a year. And there's a balance between, that's why we have a democratic system is, you know, but we don't, the problem is we don't have a democratic system right now. We no, have we lobbyists don't. writing the legislation. We have the mice in charge of the cheese. And it's mm-hmm. destroying this country and it's got to stop. Mm-hmm. One thing that's, that's frustrating is you get all this good you get up a good angry, mm-hmm, as mm-hmm, my grandma mm-hmm. would say, probably, or my mom certainly would, and you've got no place to put it. Right, right. You know how do you how do you actualize that horrible seventies word? <clears throat> but here it's actually true. Mm-hmm. Actualize that anger, and the truth of the matter is, what that means is electing certain people mm-hmm. who will change the law. <laughs> and yeah. that means politics. Sorry, yep. guys, that's what it means. Yep. It means politics, you know, yep. and the only, the only way these things change, the only way that shirtwaist, triangle shirtwaist fire disaster or, or the Our, Our Lady of Angels disaster in Chicago changed anything because disaster does change policy, mm-hmm. does make policy, was politicians changed the law yep. and got themselves and a And people changed the politicians the in yeah. order to change and the they, law, and that's what's happening and, in Wisconsin. And we started rewarding politicians who ran on populist Yep. themes that were worker-friendly. And real populism, not fake populism, sponsored by billionaires. Yeah. Coculism, if you will. Yeah. 
Cockulism. There you go. I love that. Thank we have, you. We're going to stop now. Yeah, it's time, it's time to go to bed. We, it is. It's, oh my gosh, it's late. We want to thank you so much for listening. We're so grateful to you. We have an email address. It's proleftpodcast at gmail.com. Write to us anytime. We love hearing from our listeners, and we write back, and we'd be glad to hear from you. We have a website, professionalleft.blogspot.com, where I still have the link to the ballot. I'm not doing very well on this Netroots Nation election thing. I think I'm fifth. It's probably going to go to round two of the voting for me to win, but if you have a chance, go to professionalleft.blogspot.com, click the link there, and vote for me to receive a Netroots Nation scholarship that's going to help us defray our mm-hmm. cost when we go to Netroots Nation this summer. And that's our honeymoon trip, even though mm-hmm. we won't be married officially married yet until August, but that's the, tri- that's, that's the trip this year. Let's put it that it's, way. It's, it's, we're doing the honeymoon before the wedding. It's yeah. very gingrich up. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. Well, we didn't honeymoon for six years while you were married to someone else, though. So yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> I, I don't. I don't claim any moral high ground over anyone else, but yeah, you know. <laughs> yeah. We never in your office. No. While you were impeaching someone else for doing the same thing, either we never went there. But Blue so. gal, I just loved my country so much. <laughs> My my love of country and my patriotism distracted me from my mm-hmm. marital vows. Yeah, made me mm-hmm. make mistakes. The yes. Constitution Lady is Liberty. penis pump. Uh, yes. yes. <laughs> so so I've ruined I've ruined our special moment there. Oh man. Well, you uh, know, as a, <laughs> this is my way of saying vote for Blue Gal. Still working. I haven't done very much with it lately, but I'm. I, I guess I should tell people that you know I've been working on this Mrs. Gingrich project and mrs gingrich three got kicked off of twitter for impersonation which is hilarious yeah so i yeah, moved mayor, it over to mayor ron didn't get kicked off no mayor That's... mayor emmanuel didn't get kicked off but mrs gingrich three talking about blowjobs every other tweet got kicked off for impersonation yeah <laughs> so what i did to cope with that was move over to a blog so it's fakecalista.blogspot.com and uh, she she's going to start letting everyone know, you know, well, you know, he really was very sexy when he was speaker. As You know, it's not like I was under the desk of Bernie Sanders or something. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's her huh? defense. <laughs> yeah. Rest in peace, Liz Taylor. <laughs> you yeah. know, I mean. Yeah. All right, be Liz. <laughs> Just thank you for your votes. We appreciate your support very much. And, uh. At our website, professionalleft.blogspot.com, you can listen to past episodes for free with no download and no registration. We are also on iTunes, and we love our iTunes listeners. You guys are great. You're always first at the podcast listening, and we're so grateful for that. If you're listening on iTunes and get a chance, we'd appreciate it very much if you would rate and review our podcast for iTunes. Thank you very much. Mm-hmm. Finally... At our website, professionalleft.blogspot.com, there's an opportunity for you to drop five bucks in the hat. And we had a number of new contributors this week, Drift Glass, by the way. Uh, very, very glad to have you on board, and thank you for the vote of confidence. We never ask for more than five bucks. Occasionally someone gives us more than five bucks. We're always stunned by that and very grateful for your generous contributions. Uh, but five bucks is kind of a vote of confidence contribution that says, hey, I listen. What you do matters to me. And I'm willing to say so with 
mm-hmm. five George Washingtons in your pocket. And so thank you so much for doing that. We appreciate it. And we uh, look forward to another year ahead of podcasting fun. So we're having fun doing wanted. this, aren't we? I will say one of the one of the most interesting things, and and I gotta say, rewarding and uh, smile bringing to my face thingies, <clears throat> is when we post the podcast, and, and Blue Gal does all the heavy lifting in terms of sound editing and making this sound really good. But posting it on Friday, as 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 we do, as she does religiously, mm-hmm. and this will be our sixty sixth episode coming mm-hmm. up. Is That's that right? right. Sixty six episodes. So and every week in a row. Her. Yes. 66 weeks in a row, no break, every week, an hour, give or take, uh, 40 minutes to an hour every week. And it's become a habit for some people. Yeah, yeah. To the point where, you know, you post it and literally I look 10 minutes later at the stats and 170 people have listened to it. Yeah, have started or downloaded to it. it. Like, yeah, yeah. That's just amazing. Yeah. That, I, that for which I am incredibly grateful. And one of my friends from college flattered. said that to me last week, sent me an email and said, yeah, I listen to you every week. I go to the grocery store at this time on the weekend, do my shopping, and have my iPod uh, playing the podcast while I get my grocery shopping done. And every week I do that because men are addicted to habits, and that's what I do. I'm a guy. So I just love that. That is, It is really a part of people's weekend, and that's very humbling, and we're very grateful to you for your listenership, your emails, and your support. Thank you so much. Absolutely. How are the Internet Kitties doing this week? Well, the Internet Kitties still want to know, Blue Gal. Where are the jobs, Mr. Boehner? Let's think about living. Let's think about loving. Let's think about the hooping and the hopping and the bopping and the loving, loving, dubbing. Let's forget about the whining and the crying, the shooting and the dying, and the fellow with the switchblade knife. Let's think about living. Let's think about life. This podcast is recorded under a Creative Commons license. Copyright 2011, Drift Glass Blue Gal Podcast.